Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is Season 2, Episode 10, and coming to you live and direct from the Grand America Hotel in Salt Lake City, where the Memphis Grizzlies will take on the Utah Jazz on Monday night. It's an 8 o'clock tip, Memphis time, 7.30, for Grizzlies Live, presented by Ford New Mid-South Ford Dealers on Bally Sports Southeast. In today's show, uh, we're going to, after our television production meeting, we're going to visit with Rob Fisher and Brevin Knight. They will be the friends of the program. I've got some PD's points as well, some interesting things happening in the association over the weekend during our stay here in Salt Lake City after the Saturday night loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which uh, we will recount along with the Clipper game in That Was the Week That Was. So, friends of the program, Rob Fisher, Brevin Knight, PD's points, But, of course, we always start with that was the week that was. Well, the week that was starts on Thursday, and the Grizzlies take on the Los Angeles Clippers. This was viewed as being a measuring stick game, given the fact that the Grizzlies handled Houston very, very easily. Well, Houston's not very good. We know that. They're playing for ping-pong balls more than anything else right now. Clippers are playing to get back into the playoff mix in the Western Conference, and they have designs on a championship, particularly when Kawhi Leonard returns. So the question on Thursday was, which Grizzlies team is going to show up? And the Grizzlies team that showed up on Thursday night was the good version of the Grizzlies with a 30-24 lead after one quarter. Uh, Grizzlies had some defensive slippage in the second quarter, but the Grizzlies still had a small lead heading into the third quarter. Third quarter was one of those quarters that you don't get all that often, but when you get it, you really revel in it and you enjoy it because you had two elite scorers going at it. Paul George and John Morant went toe-to-toe different styles of basketball, both of them very, very effective. John Morant was 17 points in the third quarter of that game, and the Grizzlies were actually able to expand their lead, putting up 38 points in the third quarter, and the Grizzlies would go on to win at 120-108. to This was a virtuoso performance by John Morant, shot the ball very, very well, um, 28 points, and did not get to the free throw line. This was a very, very light night for whistles. There were only 14 free throws shot between the two teams. And the Grizzlies uh, took that three-point halftime lead. They blew it out to 23 eventually in this game before winning by 12. Great performance by the Grizzlies. Uh, Dylan Brooks, yeah, I know that um, Paul George did finish with 23, and he did shoot 9 of 18 from the floor and 5 of 9 from 3, but... He was minus 18. Dylan Brooks was plus 22. So let that be your narrative for this particular basketball game. Jaron Jackson Jr. tied his season high with four blocks, had 18 points in this game. Desmond Bain getting himself right, shooting the basketball again with 16 points. Really good all-around effort by the Grizzlies. And, of course, Brandon Clark coming in off the bench, continuing his play. This is now four straight home games where Brandon has played very well, averaging better than 10 points a game in the last four. Grizzlies out shooting the Clippers 54% to 47%. And even though the Clippers made five more threes, uh, the Grizzlies were plus 13 on the glass, and they registered a season-high 74 pain points. So now you're coming off this game against the Clippers. You're back above 500 at 8-7, and seven, and so you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, it was a happy flight going to Minneapolis on Friday afternoon. News broke 
as soon as we got off the plane, we turned on our phones and we found that uh, Dylan Brooks was uh, doubtful with a hamstring issue and that um, DeAnthony Melton would be out with a groin issue. And you knew that Saturday night just got a whole lot harder. It really it never got any better. Uh, this was one of those games that uh, it, it just wasn't very good from the jump. Grizzlies gave up 40 points in the first quarter. Anthony Edwards went off early and uh, finished with 23 points. This game was never a contest. Timberwolves led by as many as 45 points. Grizzlies were never in this game at all. Shot just 35% from the floor, 9 of 32 from three. Uh, John Morant tying his season low with 11 points was shut out in the first quarter of this game, only the third quarter all year long where he has been shut out in a quarter. And uh, it was just a bad night all the way around. And I'll deal more with this in the PD's points coming up in a little bit. But uh, 138 to 95, the final score in this one. And um, it, it, it was not pretty. It was also wire to wire for the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is the fourth time. In eight losses, the Grizzlies have never led in the game. And that is uh, very, very concerning that uh, the Grizzlies just are are getting off to bad starts. They're getting down double digits on the road, and then they are never really able to recover. And um, it's a trend that's not very good for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies gave up 30 points off of 16 turnovers. They allowed the Timberwolves 23 points in transition. It was a total breakdown by the Memphis Grizzlies, which leaves them at 8-8. Eight and eight as they hit into Monday's game with the Utah Jazz. So that is that was the week that was, and it's time now to get to some Petey's points. First of all, um, the Minnesota game. Brevin told me after the game, he said, there's no point in getting upset. We can't affect the outcome of the game, and that's true. But I think the only person who might have been uh, as upset as Taylor Jenkins Saturday night was me. Uh, it, it just it just was an effort that you, you're really scratching your head. And I think what the biggest issue for me was, and for Taylor Jenkins as well, uh, he labeled it as probably one of, if not the least competitive games for the Grizzlies in his tenure here. The Grizzlies were minus 17 against one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA. Minus 17. Jared Vanderbilt, double-figure rebounds. He had 10 uh, virtually everybody, with the exception of Anthony Edwards and Jordan McLaughlin and Jake Lehman, had multiple rebounds in the game. And the Grizzlies didn't have anybody with more than seven, and that was John Conchar off the bench. The effort level was not there. Taylor Jenkins can live with missed shots. He can live with some defensive lapses. Not all of them, but some of them cannot live with the type of effort that the Grizzlies gave on Saturday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is this is the Jekyll Hyde nature of this team, that there are games where they are tremendously on point. They were so on point at home against Houston and the Clippers. And then they go to Minnesota. Now, Minnesota, let's be honest, uh, they had won a couple games in a row. They were they were feeling pretty good about themselves and had played Phoenix tough in the loss before their two-game winning streak. But still, this is a game where you may not win it, but you have to come out and you have to be competitive. And to give up 40 points and to be down 17 after one quarter, and this is with Desmond Bain going off for 14 in the first quarter, uh, it's, it's, it's head-scratching that this team can be so good one night that this team can beat the Clippers twice, can beat Golden State, and then can go on the road against New Orleans and Minnesota on successive Saturdays and lay two eggs. It's 
it's really, really head-scratching. And, look, I know that the Grizzlies didn't have Dylan Brooks. They didn't have DeAnthony Melton, two of their better defenders. But by the same token, the, the effort wasn't there really from anybody. Um, maybe Desmond Bain. Uh, and and you saw lapses of concentration. You saw the Grizzlies shoot just horribly in the paint, just 18 of 43. One of the rare times the Grizzlies failed to get 40 paint points. Um, it just was an all-around effort that, again, leaves you scratching your head because you know this team can be so much better, even when they are shorthanded. So that's Petey's point number one. Number two, uh, you're going to have to have a much better effort against this Utah Jazz group. Uh, Utah right now, third best record in the West at 11-5. and five. Uh, They are currently riding a three-game winning streak, and they are third in the league in scoring. They are fourth in the league in points allowed. They're fourth in field goal percentage. Uh, they're top 10 in defensive field goal percentage. They're just a lot of ranks where they are really, really high. They have a 9.7 point differential. Only Golden State is better. Uh, Golden State outscores their opponents by an average of 13 points per game. What else does uh, this Utah team do well? Well, they're fourth in three pointers made, and they're second in three point attempts. And this is where the Grizzlies really struggle. The Grizzlies right now, in terms of defending the three-point line, they are dead last. Opponents shoot 40% from the arc and average 14-and-a-half threes. Those are both last in the NBA. Uh, so I guess perimeter defense is going to be very, very important, uh, as it needed to be against Minnesota when Minnesota put in 23s. If Utah here, – here's a bold prediction. I'm going way out on a limb here. If Utah makes 23s Monday night – this game is not even close. So that's uh, – the Grizzlies' perimeter defense has got to be better. And uh, they're, they're listing Dylan Brooks as doubtful for Monday night's game. DeAnthony Melton will be out. So this is going to be a major, major challenge for this Memphis Grizzlies group um, because Utah, they're rolling. They're shooting the three ball pretty well. They're shooting with a lot of volume, and the Grizzlies are not defending. So I would imagine Utah comes into this ball game with a fair amount of confidence uh, as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Last year, Utah, of course, swept the season series three games to none, won the first-round playoff series four games to one. Uh, Utah is totally healthy for this ball game, and the Grizzlies, as we talked about are already, are not. And so that is going to be an issue as well. Let's move on to some league-wide issues here with PD's points. Uh, first of all, uh, Sacramento Saturday night, a fan is overserved, vomits all over the floor, game is delayed for 15 minutes, ironically against the Utah Jazz. Um, and then the news breaks on Sunday that Luke Walton has been fired as head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Kings, as per usual, struggling on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in at 6-11. and 11. Only San Antonio, New Orleans, and Houston have worse records than the Sacramento Kings right now. Was this all Luke Walton's fault? Probably not. Uh, talking with people who are close to that Sacramento organization, uh, they, will have told, they will tell you that through the years, uh, there have been multiple issues. Uh, the front office has made some very, very questionable uh, moves. Uh, I think everybody focuses on the fact that they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic, which has turned out to be a hor horrific decision on the part of the Sacramento front office. But there have been other things that have gone on there. And they've they've placed their trust, they've placed their money in, in players that have not always returned on the investment what uh, ownership thought that they would. And Again, coaching is only only one piece of this puzzle. I think that there are front office issues. I know that there are ownership issues as well. And uh, it's, it's just a really, really messy organization. 
which is too bad because the Sacramento fan base is one of the best fan bases in the NBA. Uh, Vivek Ranadive, the owner, and the Kings organization built a, a, an amazing arena in Golden One Center. They have helped to revitalize downtown Sacramento. They have done so much good in that community, but the fact of the matter is the quality of basketball they're playing isn't very good. And there are a lot of there's, there's a lot of blame that you can spread around the organization. Uh, Luke Walton takes the fall for it. Uh, I have said this on numerous occasions, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I think this all started when they fired Michael Malone, who was the best coach that, that they've had since, since Rick Adelman was on the sidelines. Um, that, was, that was their biggest mistake. And uh, they've, they've made some hires that have been good. I think the David Yeager hire was good. Um, and then they've also made some questionable hires as far as their head coaches are concerned. So right now, Alvin Gentry is going to step in as the interim. Alvin Gentry is almost a professional interim coach. He has done it for several teams. Uh, Alvin is immensely likable. He is very well respected around the NBA. But this is going to be a Sacramento team that is going to be more focused on offense than it will on defense. Alvin Gentry, disciple of Mike D'Antoni, has worked with Mike D'Antoni, has worked with Steve Kerr. He's been around really, really good coaches. And as I said, Alvin Gentry is immensely well-liked. Uh, I think that the players will enjoy playing for him, but the question is, you still got the same players. I know you can't fire the players, so you fire the coach, but this is a roster that just doesn't seem to uh, gel well together, and you know what can uh, Alvin Gentry got, get out of this group? I think that's going to be the question on the floor for the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, they, they've been out of the playoffs for a long, long time, and I don't think that Alvin Gentry is going to be the solution. I think that uh, there's going to have to be a major overhaul of this roster and uh, and maybe even overhaul of the front front office and just how they evaluate personnel and how they how they put a roster together because right now this, this mix just doesn't work uh, for Sacramento. And as I said, it, it's sad to see. A lot of great basketball fans in Sacramento, they would love to have a winning basketball team, but it has not happened, and I don't know when it's going to happen does not appear to be in the near future. Uh, Finals, Petey's point, and um, I know a lot of people have been looking at the video of the incident between LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons last night. Um, This had the potential to be very, very ugly, and the blame for that actually goes to Isaiah Stewart. Now, I know that a lot of cynics are saying, well, LeBron's not going to get punished. He's certainly not going to get suspended. Uh, Stewart probably will get suspended. Here's how I look at it. They did get get tangled up going for a rebound. LeBron was trying to extricate himself. He swung his elbow high and hard. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, The flagrant foul penalty, too, is absolutely the right call by Crew Chief Scott Foster and an automatic ejection for LeBron James. That was absolutely positively the right call. Whether you suspend him or not, uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. It wasn't where he looked, made eye contact with Isaiah Stewart and said, I'm going to throw an elbow and I'm going to make sure that I hit your face. Uh, it it was a high hard swing. There's no question about that. But if if you're not going to suspend uh, Morris for his which was premeditated and not in the heat of the moment, but I'm going to go and I'm going to get this guy. If you're not going to suspend him, then I don't see how you suspend LeBron James for this. Uh, it it. It wasn't a deliberate act. Again, it was a high, hard swing, but it wasn't like I'm looking at Isaiah Stewart and I'm going to make sure that I elbow him in the face. If that were the case, then now you're looking at a suspension. For Isaiah Stewart, you are going to be looking at a suspension because, look, the incident 
you know, Scott Foster was on top of it. Initially, I think he called a technical foul on LeBron for elbowing. And then after that, when they looked at it on video, uh, then it becomes a flagrant foul penalty too. In any event, if Stewart just walks away, gets treated for the cut, uh, we, we probably don't have any issues with all this. But the issue is trying to go after LeBron James, breaking free from people who are trying to hold him back on multiple occasions, and then running to the back of the house with the thought that maybe he was going to go back to the Laker locker room and try to confront LeBron James there. These are the types of things that the NBA has to come down really hard on. Look, I know Isaiah Stewart was upset, got elbowed in the face. He's bleeding. He's angry. I get that. Heat of the moment reaction, yes. But the fact that he broke away a couple of times from people who were trying to restrain him and then run back of house, potentially to confront LeBron James by the locker room, those are the things that are very, very serious. And so I would see Isaiah Stewart being suspended for multiple games. Uh, I'm thinking in the range of, of three to five games because there was potential for this to get very, very ugly. And given the history, uh, and I know that uh, you know it, it, it's Ron Artest and it's the Pacers and it's the Pistons at the Palace of, of long, long ago, but the fact of the matter is that specter still does exist. And so I think Isaiah Stewart is going to pay a, a hefty fine, and I think that he is also going to be uh, probably on a bench or uh, out of the building for several games. Unfortunate, ugly incident. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing what the uh, NBA comes down with in terms of discipline for this. Well, that does it for Petey's Points. We're going to get to our friends of the program here in a moment. But first of all, we remind you that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers, listen up, because you can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a goal, it doesn't matter if it's a slap shot or a redirect or whatever it is. However they light the lamp, you win now. This is important. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you hanging. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest, and they've got it all. Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings has a daily fantasy sports game for you to play. They're giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum of $5 deposit, and $1 wager is required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we are on the road. Boy, we are so happy to be on the road. Uh, it, it is difficult at times. We are finding out in downtown Minneapolis on the weekend and uh, downtown Salt Lake City on the weekend. If you're looking for a place to eat, uh, there's a good chance everything's going to be closed up. Tried to get lunch in downtown Minneapolis. Everything uh, was pretty much closed. You want to get a sandwich at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon in downtown Minneapolis? Forget about it. Uh, you want to get anything to eat? Almost anywhere in Salt Lake City that isn't a, a sports bar, forget it. Everything's closed. I spent about an hour walking around downtown Salt Lake City yesterday trying to find an open restaurant. Uh, eventually had to do Uber Eats for the very first time tonight. Now, having said all that, 
even with the difficulty getting food sometimes and uh, the testing that we have to undergo in order to be on the floor for road games, it's still a treat to be on the road. And it's a treat to be on the road with uh, two of my very best friends in the world, Rob Fisher and Brevin Knight. And they are today's Friends of the Program. And time now for our Friends of the Program, our periodic Announcers Ryan Table. I've got Rob Fisher. I've got Brevin Knight here. We are in the lobby of the Grand America Hotel. So there's a little bit of ambiance here and a lot of light, uh, which the Grizzlies need after Saturday night showing in Minnesota. Brevin, as a former player, when you have a showing like that, where things just go so wrong, as a player, do you try to flush that out of the memory banks or do you try to remember how bad you felt getting blown out? Well, when, when I played, it was remembering how bad you felt because you never want you don't want that feeling too many times throughout a season because that means you're on the, the wrong end of the ledger. And I think uh, the unfortunate thing but fortunate for this team is they've been here before already in this early season a number of times, and they've been able to bounce back nicely. So uh, this is one – and the other situation is you don't have to get them ready for the next game. You're playing against the, the Utah Jazz. There is no speech that is needed. You understand. You saw what happened last year in the playoffs. You know what you're going to play against. So, uh, yes, had that feeling. Remember it. Uh, and try not to have it too many times throughout the season. Fish, this has been a team that's been up and down, and you're never quite sure who you're going to get on any given night. Have you been able to figure out why this team has been so wildly inconsistent with effort and execution? No. Um, <laughs> Short answer. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> and, and, no, it's been weird and because, you know, this – We've talked about it before, this team with that ability to bounce back. They've shown the ability to be resilient. They've shown the ability to come back and fight back. They haven't been able to do it inside a game. Uh, I mean, it's like this team has a glass jaw right now. You know, you get punched once, you're out. And and they're not able to come back. And unfortunately, there have been five instances now where they've lost by 20 points or more. Um, what is it, every road game they've trailed by double digits now? And, and the biggest problem is it's happening early in the game where you're looking up in the first quarter and they're down double digits. And sure, yeah, it's best to be down double digits if you're going to be down double digits early in the game, but the problem is it doesn't get better. Uh, it just keeps escalating and getting worse and worse and worse. So I don't know. I, I don't know how you fix it. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, individuals just have to – you got to have that intestinal fortitude. You, you, you have to be able to have that energy that we talk about when de- when we talk about defense and and play with force and all of those things. And, and it's got to happen within the game because right now it's you know they're they're getting hit and they're not hitting back, and that's the unfortunate thing. I would say the truth of reality is what has happened is is what happens to a lot of young teams. This team was always the underdog the last couple of seasons. This year they came in with expectations. So that means every game you go into, there is a high level of scouting. You have a star marquee player in John Morant. There's someone that they're going to stop. There's no longer flying under the radar. You have to come with a different mindset when you are in this position in the NBA. And this team is a learning experience in terms of how to play. Now they are learning how to play with real expectations. Well, and, and I think also a young team is, needs to learn how to not get their heads down. You know, when, when things aren't going their way, I think we've seen it more this year than what we've seen in the past, where when they are taking that punch, you you see a team that just looks like they can't fight back. You, you see a team that just has their head down, and coach tells them all the time, hey, there's a lot of basketball left. we got to keep our heads up. we got to do what we do. You know, they're making some tough shots. we gotta, we got to do this. we got to do that. But 
because it's happened so many times, it seems like when it starts to happen and starts to creep in, it gets in their minds and it feels like, oh, here we go again. And although they've been able to bounce back, it's time to start bouncing back within the game. Yeah, and the fact that the Grizzlies have had four of their eight losses, they've been wire-to-wire games in which they've never led is is really troubling. Uh, You're facing a Utah Jazz team that right now is, in the last three games, are averaging 120 points a game, making like 18 threes a game, holding the other team to eight threes a game. Uh, The keys for this game are are pretty obvious, but give us a sense of how the Grizzlies can win this game because they're going to have to flip the script on Utah. The one thing it can't be is it can't be a half-court executing game. Um, we can content and, – and we always talk about the three-point line, but there are causes for why teams get the three-point shot. And the biggest reason at this point right now is we've talked about a lot is their point-of-attack defense. They're, they're not forcing teams to go towards half-court. Everyone is playing downhill against this team. They're getting into rotations very early in the shot clock. That means there are more passes within the possessions, which means more rotations. More times than not, there's going to be a, a, a mix-up at some point that are leading to more rhythm threes. And so I, I think the, the consistency on the defensive side will have to be there. Their communication will have to be there. They're going to have to play. They're going to, to stop taking punches at this point in time. They're going to have to start to deliver some. And that doesn't mean in terms of fouling or, or anything overly aggressive, but it is forcing teams to play to their weakness not their strengths. We are allowing teams to come out and be the team that they are and when they're their best. You got to make teams be at their worst and can they beat you at their worst? And if they can do that tonight, then they get themselves a chance. It's going to be a uphill battle, uh, but it's one in which they can win, but they're going to have to execute every phase of the game almost perfectly. Well, and I think the unfortunate thing with the Grizzlies right now, it's not just defense or it's not just offense. You know, you could talk about what they need to do better defensively. Well, all right, to do that better defensively, it would help if you make some baskets. You know, taking the ball out of your – taking the, the other team not having to take the ball out of the hoop and then being able to get out and transition, it's harder to play defense. It puts, as Coach Jenkins has said, it puts so much pressure on your defensive unit. So you got to make baskets too, I mean, on, on the offensive end. And when you play a team like this, you got to move the ball. you got to move it side to side. you got to get the open looks. When you get the open looks, you got to knock them down. And because when the Grizzlies are getting blown out and you're losing these games or the wire-to-wire games, it's not. It'd be it'd be great to be able to just say point out and say, well, defensively you're not doing this. But it's really both ends uh, that you're not getting the job done. So I'll go ahead and say offense. You know, knock down shots, uh, shoot at a high percentage, and and be able to set up your defense. And and I think that can make things a lot smoother too. All right, great talk. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for tonight's game, and. Uh, Our thanks to Rob Fisher, Brevinite, our friends of the program today. That is a wrap for Episode 10 of Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Branica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.